Is it possible to share the gospel without killing your relationships? Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell demonstrates how you proclaim your faith to those around you. God promises that His Word will not be left empty. It will always do a good work. And so it's our job to get the Word out. We don't save anybody. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit do that. But we can have confidence in the power of the Word of God. We must have reliance on the Spirit of God. What if your ordinary interactions with family, neighbors, and coworkers were actually invitations to share Jesus with others? God has sent us to live out His great commission in the ordinary, all too busy, and even mundane moments of our lives. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. In our series, I Declare, Dr. Paul Chapel invites you to declare your faith as you live out your true identity in Christ. When you believe it's God's desire to reach the lost, your life will change, and you will begin to partake in the joys of evangelism. And now, here's Dr. Paul Chapel with part one of a message called, Paul's Declaration of the Gospel. Well, the scriptures are a continual declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, from Genesis to Revelation, from the time when the blood was shed in the garden until the time when the blood was shed at Calvary and presented in the heavenlies. We see in the Bible the lace throughout the scripture, uh, the leading of God, the red letter scriptures showing us that it is all about Jesus Christ and his redemptive work. Isaiah 61 in verse 1, Isaiah the prophet said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. In Luke chapter 4, as Jesus entered into the synagogue after his 40-day temptation, ironically and intentionally, he opened the books and he opened the Word of God again to Isaiah 61 and quoted that very verse. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he began proclaiming his gospel. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1, our theme verse for this year said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye received, and wherein ye stand. John the Apostle, 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible is a declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And throughout the word of God, we hear his prophecy. We hear the declaration of his finished work on the cross of Calvary. Now, a declaration uh, can be a very powerful thing. Making a declaration. Some people declare their love for another person. That can be a very powerful thing. Some people declare bankruptcy. That can be very something. I'm not sure what, but they declare it. Some people declare their candidacy, and they declare that they're going to enter into a race. Sometimes governments will declare a state of emergency. 
But we hear declarations these days, don't we? We declare this, and we declare that, and we demand this, and we demand that. And uh, there are many declarations being made in our world today. Declarations of peace, declarations of war, declarations that are medical, declarations. Uh, we have heard many different things throughout the summer. But nothing is as powerful and more full of potential than a declaration of the gospel. I was mentioning to a businessman yesterday who drove up from Los Angeles to pass out food and not a saved man. And, uh, and we were talking about uh, the gospel and I was sharing the gospel with him and, and uh, he uh, has been blessed in his business. And I reminded him of the words of our Lord, what doth it profit a man if he, if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You see, we must declare the gospel because the gospel has power. Uh, it's more powerful than food. It's more powerful than medicine. It's more powerful than psychology. Nothing changes a life like the gospel received into someone's heart. But sometimes we struggle to know the moment or maybe the words or how to be used of God to declare that gospel. Overwhelmingly, study after study has shown that most every Christian wants to declare it, and overwhelmingly, study after study has shown that a very small 2 to 5% of Christians have ever declared it to someone else. And so we this morning want to learn about this matter of declaring the gospel. Now the church at Thessalonica was started on Paul's second missionary journey. And I want to just take a moment and take a look at this. I, I'm a map guy. I love, to, uh, I love to kind of see where I'm at, what's in relation to uh, uh, other cities and so forth. And when you fall, follow the course of this second journey, you'll, you'll notice two cities in particular up here I want you to see in the, uh, in the northwest of this map. I want you to see Philippi, and I want you to see Thessalonica. These two key cities, and by the way, Paul went to key locations, populated locations, places where traffic was coming through. He wanted to see the gospel spread into the Roman Empire. And I want you to see that as he came to Thessalonica, he came to a very significant city, a city that was on the Ignatian Highway between Rome and Constantinople. It was a key area of commerce. It was an area from which the gospel could travel rapidly. Uh, it was an area that was advanced in its Roman architecture. They had an amazing aqueduct system in the first century that Paul would have laid eyes upon. It was an advanced city for its day. Uh, later, the arch uh, of Emperor Galerius, uh, which was uh, a part of the Ignatian Highway, uh, where people would come through on their way to the east or on their way back to the west. And here in this city of Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul began to see people coming to Christ. He declared the gospel. By the way, not everybody listened. Not everybody appreciated it. But some became saved, and they formed a called-out assembly of believers. And this church became what some scholars have called the model church of the New Testament. They were a church that from them sounded out the word of the Lord throughout all of, all of Asia. People were hearing the gospel because of their location, and they would, they would uh, declare the gospel to people passing through, and they would take the gospel then to their other cities. 
And that declaration is quite amazing to me. To get the background many times on the epistles, you can go to the book of Acts and you can read a little bit of how it got going. And I want to do that this morning. I want you to go to Acts 17 and I want you to see what happened there in Thessalonica. Acts 17. How uh, does the declaration of the gospel make a difference? And just to get the context this morning, Acts 17, 1, and when they had passed through Amphipolis uh, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed, and some uh, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a Greek, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. You'll notice Paul going to the center of teaching, the center of religion. He begins uh, opening and alleging, I believe, uh, using Old Testament scriptures, proving uh, that Jesus is the Christ, He is the Messiah, He is the Anointed One, and many people believed. Uh, how can they believe except they hear the gospel? And so they're hearing, and now there is a response. And Paul is now writing in this book of 1 Thessalonians to rehearse with them all that God had done. And as I have studied this again over the past several weeks, I have been thrilled and have been reminded of the profundity and the simplicity of the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ and how that all of us can have a part. And so I would like to share with you this morning three lessons that I believe can help all of us as we consider how to be a part of the gospel ministry. Listen, others make their declarations medically, politically, others make their declarations of war and of peace, but of all people, we should be making the declaration that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so this morning, uh, I want you to learn with me and be challenged as well. The first lesson that I believe we learn as we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is that you can find joy in difficulty. You can find joy in difficulty. They say, well, why is that the first lesson? Because sometimes being faithful, sometimes witnessing can be difficult, but it should not be something that we quit doing just because it's difficult. And God wants to give us joy in the midst of ministry seasons. You can find joy in difficulty. Now, notice uh, verse 2. He says, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi. So remember, Philippi was the city just before Thessalonica. And sometimes when you first get saved and, and someone says, uh, carry a gospel track and give it to a friend or come on out to a soul winning training and, and tell somebody about Jesus, sometimes we might think, well, man, this is awesome and, and all my family's going to hear me. I sometimes get tickled when people say, you know, I'm going to move to Louisiana because I've got to go there and witness to all my family. Sometimes it's easier to witness to them on a vacation or a Christmas trip than it is to be right there with them. And, and sometimes it's difficult to people go, man, I moved all the way there and none of them wanted to hear it. Uh, I talked to my neighbor. He slammed the door. Some difficulty came. And Paul the Apostle tells us here that he had been suffering and he was shamefully treated. Now let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you would like it to be said of you, towards the end of your life perhaps, 
that you were faithful to God. How many of you would like that to be said? You were faithful to God. Certainly that could be said about the Apostle Paul. And it will not be said about you unless you and I learn how to find joy in the difficult times. And joy is not always found uh, in uh, experiences or blessings or uh, different locations and so forth. It is generally going to be found for the Christian in his inner walk with God. And certainly Paul teaches us that. Certainly he advises us of that this morning. So notice if you're taking notes or if you have the notes there, first of all, they had suffered. And he is referencing Philippi. And some of you remember what happened at Philippi. They were thrown into prison at Philippi, Acts 16, 22. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to, be, to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Paul and Silas just being faithful to the Lord at Philippi, and yet they were shamefully entreated, thrown into prison, locked up in prison. How many of you remember the story? And at midnight, Paul and Silas, they began praying and singing, and God did a wonderful miracle. But we must learn that even when there are seasons of suffering, God's going to get us through those seasons. They were suffering. They had suffered. Notice, secondly, they were mistreated. Acts 16 and verse 20 says, and brought them to the magistrate, saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. I'm not going to delineate why I would feel this way, but I feel that as we progress in this country toward the coming of the Lord, that as the nation is more and more an unbelieving nation, that there will be a sentiment towards Christians, people that don't bow down to the new cultural norms, people that believe what the young man sang a moment ago. Didn't you appreciate that song? Jesus is the only way. People that believe Jesus is the only way. People believe that God has one plan for marriage. People that believe the book will be in this country shamefully entreated. And that is why we must learn now how to find the joy of the Lord so that when those days come, we will be faithful to him. They suffered. They were mistreated. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and in verse 24 of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day uh, was I in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in wickedness, in the wilderness rather, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst the brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often in hunger and thirst in fastings often in cold and nakedness besides those things which are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches Paul is not describing this declaration of the gospel as just easy peasy he's not saying uh, that there's never going to be a struggle that everybody's going to look at you and go great you're a Christian what must I do to be saved sometimes you have an experience like that, but oftentimes it is not exactly like that. I remember when we came to Lancaster that first summer back in 1986, and, and we were full of excitement and optimism, and, and, uh, and we still have, a, have that as well in our heart today. But, you know, the devil likes to try to squash that out. 
And within the first few days of setting up a little office in the basement downtown Lancaster, someone had broken into that uh, office and torn all of our library off the wall and took my ordination certificate and my college degree and threw it on the ground, poured uh, red Kool-Aid on it, and uh, just made a mess of things. And we cleaned that up. A few days later, somebody stole the, uh, uh, the microphones and the speakers out of the building. And, and uh, we were kind of in a, in a little bit of a rougher neighborhood, maybe. And, and I remember one morning, I walked out on the front porch of the church and there's a man and a woman there just a few feet off the steps and and uh, that man was uh, hitting that woman and I remember running over there and grabbing that guy and throwing him down and and uh, telling him to stay away and while I'm trying to tell him to stay away the woman jumped on me and she starts beating me for trying to help protect her and uh, sometimes you have days like that in the ministry sometimes you're just trying to do right uh, and it maybe isn't received it maybe isn't appreciated or maybe you have trials and you think wait a minute Lord if I'm witnessing and living for you why uh, is this happening at my house and why is this happening at my work and so forth but I want you to see that uh, the true context of biblical Christianity and declaration involves sometimes what Paul experienced at Philippi but the greatness of it is that he didn't let it stop him from going to the next city and proclaiming the gospel in the same wonderful way telling people how they might know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that leads us to this third thought, that they found joy in the Lord. They found joy in the Lord. Now, I don't have time to go all into this, but may I just say, wives, you already know this, but let me remind you, you're not going to find joy from your husband. Hopefully, you'll get some happiness and enjoyment But if you're looking to him as the source of your joy, you are looking in the wrong place. Because he's going to do something stupid. Before the day's over, he'll do something stupid. Husbands, if you're looking to your wife as the source of your joy, then you've got to learn that there's a higher source for joy. If you're looking to your job or your new experience, you must come to that place where you recognize that the fruit of the Spirit is joy, that it must come from within, that external circumstances, it's great when everybody's getting along, but, but when the tough times comes, uh, there's got to be a, a joy that comes from the Lord. I've learned this a lot from walking and talking with long-term missionaries. I'm talking about 20, 30, 40 years on the mission field. And I have found that the reason these people have stayed as I'm thinking now of some of our friends in the Philippines in just being ravaged with COVID and have been through so many trials and difficulties and they stay and with joy. Why? Because joy does not come for them by being at home in Louisiana or by having possessions or even a hot shower every day. The joy comes from the Lord. They have learned to abide with Him Joy is not found in a new job or experience. It's found in Christ. Remember Acts 16, 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Would you not agree with me? Their singing was not because, boy, this is a great prison. Let's praise God. These are shiny uh, brackets around our bracelet. Let's praise God. No, their joy was found in the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, Psalm 30 and 5 reminds us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in the last year, 
many of us have learned that the Christian life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. And Satan has thrown difficulty and discouragement toward many of us. And uh, while we're here, we may be a little beaten up for the storm because there are challenges that we face that we perhaps did not ever think we would face. And sometimes compounding trials can lead to depression. Compounding trials can lead to depression. Depression is thinking about the trials and thinking about myself in the trials rather than thinking about Christ in the trials. Thinking of self brings depression. We all can experience that. And I I have some wonderful friends that have been in deep despondency during these days, and they have been living isolated lives and watching the news more than they read the Bible and thinking about COVID more than they think about Christ. Is everybody with me this morning? And that can get you down. It can get you discouraged. Psalm 42 and 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I would like to share with you briefly this morning five keys to finding joy in the difficult circumstances. Five keys. You might write this down this morning to finding joy. You say, I I thought this was about declaring the gospel. You won't declare the gospel if you're depressed. You won't declare the gospel if you're self-focused. You won't declare the gospel if you're discouraged. But how have Christians through the ages found victory and stayed on point for Jesus? How have they remained faithful talking about Jesus while still being even in a jail? How did Paul do that? I enjoy reading um, history and especially of the Christian church. And I read a trilogy of books on the French Huguenots this summer. And I'm always humbled when I read about those before us that suffered so greatly and remained so faithful. The Huguenots, they were people who believed in salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They uh, were not exactly like the Baptists. They were highly influenced um, by Calvin from Geneva and so forth, but they had recanted their Catholic faith and they had turned to Christ alone, like the song this morning. And, and uh, many hundreds of thousands of them were saved in the 1500s and 1600s as Reformation fires were burning in Europe. And with all of their burdens and with all of their trials, they are well known for having fought slavery in America and in World War II, helping Jewish people hide from Hitler. Even with all of their hurts, even with all of their challenges, there are still several hundred thousand Huguenots in the world today doing their best to do good. How does that happen? It only happens by the grace of God at work in the life of people. How can we, in a hateful culture, in a difficult time, continue with joy. Let me share five quick thoughts with you this morning. First, we need to choose to trust God. Now, I don't know what's got you down. I've pastored long enough to know that every person sitting here today has a burden. You must make a conscious choice to choose God and to trust Him. Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust 
and not be afraid. Let's say that together. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Jehovah is my strength and my song. He is my salvation. Doesn't it say, and we know that all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. I don't know what your fear is today, but can I just remind you, trust God. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you're interested in watching Pastor Chapel preach live during a Lancaster Baptist Church service, you can now log on to lbclive.tv Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Visit lancasterbaptist.org for a list of times and other services. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.